Well, good morning and thank you so much for being a part of our services here at Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ, godsredeemed.org. invite you to explore our website and to find out more about us. If you'd like more information or like for us to study with you or to answer your questions, just contact us there on the website. We'd be happy to be of assistance to you. I invite you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament this morning to a book of the Bible that we're pretty familiar with, the book of Daniel. And we're going to read in chapter 6 a series of verses in just a moment. And as you open to Daniel chapter 6, we look forward to a time when we can be back together again on a regular basis, in person, and we hope that that will be very, very soon. In Daniel chapter 6, we read about a plot against Daniel, this righteous man who was serving God, a man who was a stellar character in the service to the Lord, and one who was strong in his faith in God the Creator. Yet he faced a series of circumstances that were difficult, including a decree that was made. And I want us to read about that decree and read about his reaction, read about his punishment, and then read about finally his rescuing by God. I want to start in verse 3 of Daniel chapter 6. I want us to read a series of passages, and I want us to read through them rather quickly and then come back and make a, a few observations that I think are helpful to us thousands of years later after this was written. In verse 3, it says that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. And the men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Incidentally, isn't that a wonderful thing to be said about a person? I can't find anything around him that I can accuse him of being wrong unless it has something to do with his faith in God. Verse 6. The governors and satraps thronged before the king and said, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or a man for thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. This then brings us to verse 10, that when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in the upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. We know how the governors and the other leaders were going to react to this. They've already proven that they are jealous of Daniel and that they are concerned about the favoritism that the king is showing him. And so, down to verse 14, when the king heard the words that Daniel had disobeyed the king's decree, he was greatly displeased with himself 
and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. The men approached the king and said, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. That is, you've made a decision, and it was a good one, by the way, and you can't go back on that. So verse 18, the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought. A very solemn evening for the king. His sleep went from him, and the king rose early in the morning, went in haste to the den of lions where Daniel had been cast. And when he had come to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice, and he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel said, King, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that he did not hurt me because I have found innocent before him. And also, King, I have done nothing wrong before you. The king was exceedingly glad, verse 23, commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. If you like underlining things in your Bible, because he believed in his God. That's what mattered. By the way, let's read one more verse, just one more in verse 24. The king gave command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. What a violent way to go. But then again, that's what they intended for Daniel. That's the uh, jealousy that was present in these men. Jealousy is ugly. It's described as a monster. You know, the story of Daniel and the lion's den is in many ways considered a children's story. And I'm using that with a great big asterisk next to it. You think about certain stories in the Bible. Samson, you think about Noah building the ark. Think about Jonah and that great beast in the water that was prepared for him. These are things that lend themselves to telling children's stories. But I'm here today to argue that the story of Daniel and the lion's den is not a child's story at all. In fact, none of the accounts of these great men that I referenced in the Bible are children's stories. Don't get me wrong. We need to be teaching our children these accounts. But this is nothing but childness. This is nothing that has to do with childishness. Let me suggest to you a couple of lessons that we can learn from Daniel and the lion's den that are not childish, but are indeed quite adult-oriented and that are important for you and me in our service to God together. First of all, faithful service to God makes you a great example. Faithful service to God makes you a great example. Daniel proved himself to be a man of great integrity in that he was different. If you go back and reread verses 3 and 4, you see where the king was impressed with Daniel, where the king saw that there was something different about him. And in fact, we are to be that peculiar people that Peter talks about or that Paul writes to Titus about. We are to be the individuals who are transformed from the world as Paul 
commands those at Rome in Romans chapter 12. Even after being sentenced to death, Daniel's character drove the king to see if there was a loophole. Is there some way that I can get around sentencing him to death? Verse 14, when the king heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself, seeking some way to find mercy for Daniel. How many people before Daniel did the king put to death? Now, that's a question that we don't know the answer to. But my guess is, is that the lions were well fed and that they were uh, recipients of other individuals prior to Daniel. That is, the lion's den wasn't created because of Daniel. It's just that the lion's den was this punishment that was fitting for someone as evil as Daniel, at least in the eyes of the governors and satraps. And when he had sentenced other people to a cruel and gruesome death, it's likely that the king never gave it a second thought. But here with Daniel, he's thinking deeply and loses sleep over it. Daniel's example laid the groundwork for the king's own faith. That's why faithful service makes us great examples to others. Look, if you would, just at three facts about the king as found in verses 16, 18, and 20. In verse 16, the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. That faith on the part of a non-believer, think about that. The king is a non-believer. He believes himself to be a god and worthy of worship. Otherwise, he would not have agreed to the decree that he had set up in the first six verses of the chapter. But here he says, your God will deliver you. A non-believer can come to believe in God when indeed we stand up to serve that God. Secondly, in verse 18, where it says the king went to his palace and he had this mournful night where his sleep went from him. This sleepless night for the king was because of the faith of Daniel. We said in other sermons, and I've heard it preached before, that if you are not right with God, it is our hope that you have a sleepless night. That may sound cruel. Understand what I'm saying. It's not that I wish bad health for you. But if you are not a child of God or not faithful in service to God, then you need to be thinking deeply about your soul's condition and make whatever change is possible. And all change for the good is possible with our God. And then thirdly in verse 20, notice where it says, the living God. He says, your God is the living God. What a great example that Daniel has set in that when we stop doing what's right, we cease to be the examples for good that we didn't even know that we were being. You see, the world is constantly watching us as Christians, watching us as followers of God. Now, oftentimes, they're looking for some sort of a mistake that we are going to make. Now, we'll talk about that here in just a moment or two. But the fact is, is we need to appreciate that we are examples and that our examples are sometimes the greatest teaching tools forever. 
A second observation that I want us to make from this particular text is that God has to be our number one priority. God has to come before us before anything and everything else. Daniel's faithful service was dependent on his prioritizing God. I'm reminded of passages in the New Testament that we quote a lot. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that you would otherwise worry about or fret about. They will come to you in time, Matthew 6, verse 33. A person who puts God as second in his life cannot be described as faithful. And that's something that I think Satan really enjoys. He likes getting people to think that, hey, look at me, I'm faithful to God but I am only keeping him as my second or third most important thing in life. Satan says, I'm okay with God being number two, as long as he's not number one. The Bible is clear in that Daniel knew, with a capital K-N-E-W, that what he was doing would likely get him in trouble. In verse 10 of the text, he did as he had done in his early days. You know, I'm convinced that when they came and they handcuffed Daniel, that he wasn't surprised, that he knew it was coming, that he knew that direct disobedience against the law of the land was going to land him in trouble. This wasn't a surprise to him, but to borrow from the words of the apostles who faced persecution in Acts 4 and Acts chapter 5, we ought to obey God rather than men. And knowing Daniel, knowing his character, knowing his integrity, knowing that he is different, we are not surprised with his decision that God has to come before everything else. And given the fact that others are watching us, this has to be the case. And we have to be consistent in that. You say, well, that's difficult. Absolutely it is. It is hard being a Christian sometimes. Sometimes it's relatively easy when we are surrounded by our brethren, when we are with other brothers and sisters who are encouraging us and cheering us on. There's nothing that can stop us from serving God. But when we are separated from our loved ones, when we're at work in an environment that is fraught with bad language and bad examples and bad behavior, it's easy to get involved in those kinds of things. But we have to be consistent in putting God number one. Daniel's contemporaries were looking for him to do wrong. Go back to verse 4. I want us to really appreciate the wording in verse 4. It says, Nor was there anything, any fault found in him. But it says that they sought to find some charge against Daniel. As a side note, it is never appropriate for us as Christians to be seeking for the worst in others. Let me say that one more time. It's never appropriate for us as Christians to seek for the worst in others. And sometimes you find people, Christians, non-Christians, all included, who like to find error and point the finger and say, you've done wrong. Now, there comes a time for righteous judgment for us to say, you know what, my friend, you are wrong and I care about your soul. I'm not suggesting that we cannot be judgmental towards one another in that righteous judgment. 
But our goal is not to find people doing wrong. Our goal is to build up one another. And when we find that wrong, to lovingly and with grace, seasoned speech, correct them. They had to actually manufacture a reason to bring charges against him, as we read in verse 5. Incidentally, doesn't that sound like another faithful man? where they had to manufacture the charges against Jesus to find something wrong about him. And our contemporaries will unfortunately do the same. Let me suggest thirdly that faithful service to God makes us a target because every faithful man or woman in the Bible was also a target of others. The men, in verse 11, assembled for a purpose of seeking Daniel's destruction. I like looking at particular words and verbs. In verse 11, it says the men assembled and they found Daniel. Why did the men assemble? Were they getting together to talk about the latest uh, baseball game? No. Were they getting together to talk about their children and their grandchildren and to compare pictures with one another on their iPhones? Of course not. They were there assembled for the particular occasion of destroying Daniel, of bringing this charge against Daniel. And they deceived the king into doing what they wanted. Verse 12, have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or any man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lions? Incidentally, why did they put 30-day limit on it? Because if they would have gone any further, they didn't have to go any further. That's the point. They knew that Daniel, in his custom, was going to pray continually and regularly. And we as 21st century Christians need to know that others will hate us for our faith and seek to destroy us. It is true that we live in a country that affords us freedoms, where we have the freedom of assembly and the freedom of religion, and we're thankful for that. We are glad to live in the United States where we have more freedoms than virtually any place in the world. But that doesn't mean that people aren't going to hate us try to destroy us, try to harm us, or at the very least say something mean about us, Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Let me suggest finally that we learn from Daniel and the lion's den that God takes complete care of his people. There was never any evidence that Daniel feared for his life. Daniel, it seems to me, as we've read in these 20-some verses, fully trusted in God and was fully willing to die for God. When you think about the great men and women of the Bible, that's something they have in common. Full trust in God and a willingness to pay the ultimate price for God. And the Bible is filled with people who did so, some of whom are recorded and some of whom are not named. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about individuals who are not named, who yet gave their lives for the cause of the Savior, of their God, of their Creator. Notice, if you would, what the king found in verses 22, 23, and 24. Verse 22, 
My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so they didn't hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and also, King, I have done no wrong before you. Daniel gave credit to whom? To God. He says, God's the one who protected me. Daniel was completely unharmed in verse 23. No injury, whatever was found in him. You know, if I want to be cast into a den of lions, if I'm a little bruised and beat up or maybe a couple of broken bones, I'm going to be thankful. That's the, that the, that's the extent to my injuries. But Daniel was completely unharmed. And then compare this to the harm in verse 24, which is why I read verse 24, a favorite of a teenage boy. Verse 24, that all of their bones were broken and broken in pieces before they got to the bottom of the den. The fact is, is that great faith in our great God produces great things. When the world knows about our faith, the world has opportunity to know about God. We sometimes sing that song, we are the only Bible the careless world will read. The world will not, generally speaking, pick up this book and read it to figure out what they need to do in order to be saved or what it means to serve the Creator. Instead, what they'll do is they'll look at you and they'll look at me and they'll judge Christianity, they'll judge the Bible, they'll judge the Creator, they'll judge even Jesus himself based on the way that we live. The King directed the message to all people and the king pronounced God as the living God. And I put the in capital letters because the king had great faith as a result of the faith of Daniel. If Daniel's faith would have been shaken, Daniel would not have been saved. The king would not have believed. But the king saw God as all-powerful and all-eternal. Did Daniel ever think that his faith would lead to such great things? That's a question that I think is interesting to ponder. I'm convinced that sometimes in our lives that we do not know that our faith is going to have the impact that it's going to have on others. Daniel's example was not childish. Making God number one in our lives is not childish. Knowing that serving God will open us to ridicule is not childish. The fact that God always takes care of us is not childish. And allowing our faith to work wonders for others and teaching them and set the example for them is not childish. The fact is, is you and I are blessings to others in the way that Daniel was a blessing to others. We will have people who will seek to destroy us and to harm us, but we will not let them sway us from our faith in our God and in our Savior. I love this story. I love this story because even a child understands it, but adults obey it. And it's up to us to obey it and to follow it to be the kinds of examples that God wants us to be, to be faithful no matter what comes our way. 
If your faith is lacking this morning, then we want you to have the resolve to change, to be more pleasing to God. If your faith is not where it should be, it may require you being a Christian and becoming a Christian yet today and we'll baptize you. Or if as a child of God, having already been baptized, your faith is lacking and you're not like Daniel at all. And it's time for you to make a change. We'd love to pray for you and to pray with you. If we can assist you in any way, we would love the opportunity. Let us know. Thanks so much for watching and have a great day.